0: Myteria. Radio Rakel's nyhetsmagasin var måndag kl 5 till 6 FM 99,3. här för Radio Rakel FM 99,3. I dag är er det måndag 7 november och klockan är er 5 som vanligt. Och i studio så sitter jag Ingrid Holland och samma med mig är er Johanna Kristvik. Och tekniker för dagens sändning är er Trul Strand Offdal. Idag så ska vi bland annat snacka lite mer om globaliseringskonferensen som fanns sted för två veckers siden. Vi hade någon inslag där för senning. Idag ska
1: vi ja. ja, ja vi ska snacka mer om det för det var ju så mycket fett på denne den konferensen. Det var stappa med så mycket program och som vi lovade i förra senning så ska vi dela detta med dig och ja, det var så mycket att det kommer du att höra också mer om framöver. jag var också på den konferensen och var på ett föredrag eller en slags panelsamtal som hette War on Women som handlade om abortlovgivning verden över och hurdan den har varit och är er truad och då pratade en som heter Gre- Greta Gober om eh, situationen i Polen och vi var så heldiga och få besök av henne. Eller vi ska vara så heldiga och få besök av henne idag. Hon kommer i studio och ska berätta oss mer om hur det är er i Polen. Och du eh, i sammanhang med detta så ska du också få höra mer om en båt som reiser runt på internationellt farvatten för att eh, rädda kvinnor från farliga uh, ulovliga aborter, mm. väldigt väldigt kul.
2: I
0: dag så ska vi också snacka eh, lite om Erdogan:s sista övergrepp eh, i Tyrkia, där eh, eh, representanter för det pro-kurdiska partiet HDP har blivit eh, fängslade utav för arrestationer. Och vi ska få höra ett eh, inslag om eh, akademisk frihet i Tyrkia som är er laget av Truls som också var på globaliseringskonferensen och vi ska snacka lite om vad som sker i denna
1: vecka för det är er veckan vilket som helst vecka vi går in i absolut inte men För allt detta så ska du få en låt och det blir Dance to the Revolution of the guilt.
0: kände att hon höll på att i inni sig. Var verden stadig bara en tommeplats för våpengale, maktstrike, vite män i dress? Utmattet och halvt till svime famlade hon sig fram till radioapparaten. Utströmme tonerna från Rakel. med ett kun tillbaka färgning i kindene och tron på att det nytter kämpa.
3: Another day.
1: Välkommen tillbaka i studio här på Materia på Radiorakel. vi har fått in en engelsk gäst i studio. Eh eller engelspråklig, Hana Popol. Uh, and thank you so much for coming, Greta Gober. Uh, you're an activist for abortion rights and a professor at the Center of the Gender Research at the University of Oslo.
3: Professor, yeah. Thank you for the promotion. <laughs> Hi,
1: <welcome. laughs> no, I'm not a professor. Okay, okay. <laughs> what would you like to call yourself?
3: I am a guest researcher, actually. A guest I'm PhD research. student, yeah. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, you gave a speech about the abortion law in uh, Poland at a globalization conference in Oslo um, in an arrangement called The War on Women, which was uh, about the fight against abortion rights across the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was there, and you gave a great speech. And The War on Women has been very present in Poland the last month due to the law proposal, which sought to restrict women's reproductive rights further. Um, can you first say a little bit about how the law was before the proposed restrictions? Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, it hasn't changed yet. It yeah. has been yeah, yeah. changed in 1993. And since then, uh, it's one of the most restrictive uh, abortion laws in uh, Europe. Only Ireland and Malta have even... Ireland is even more restrictive. But in Poland, it's abortion is only available in three cases. when uh, When the... Pregnancy could result in the damage to women's health or her death if uh, the fetus is severely impaired or uh, deformed or malformed or, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be viable after uh, the birth. And the th- third case is if uh, the abortion was a result of crime, so either rape or incest or uh, or if it was with a, uh, you, a young person who is not legally able to have sex.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, as you said, uh, one of the strictest countries in Europe. And uh, as you also mentioned, this proposed uh, law did not go through. But can you uh, t- tell us about what was supposed, uh, proposed? So
3: they basically wanted to ban totally abortion. So they remove all, all, also these three c- clauses or cases where you can get legal abortion. So they wanted to remove it. And further, they wanted to uh, punish the woman for getting an abortion. So if a woman was caught, caught, you know, having an abortion, because now they also wanted to um, introduce um, registration of women. So if you go to a doctor and uh, he detects uh, or he tells you this news, good or bad, you know, you're you're pregnant, congratulations, and then he registers you. And once you – if you don't show up with a baby in nine months, then then they will, like, follow up and what happened, you know. So – there was a miscarriage, like then you have like you're already being in the eye of the legal bureaucratic machinery, so what happened to you and your 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 pregnancy that was the the idea but um it's also important to say that the abortion law is much stricter in practice in Poland already than it was than it is the factor uh, in the law because uh, most case in most cases getting an abortion uh, based on uh, the criminality clause you know that it was uh, um, mm-hmm. committed to the, the pregnancy was a result of crime was basically non, uh, it was uh, not possible to go through with it because most women if they they don't re, uh, they don't uh, report that they were raped uh, on time to get the uh, legal document from the public prosecutor and then they can go through the with the abortion uh, also uh, it can happen in uh, within the family rape can happen within within the family and then uh, how would that even work in practice you know like women they don't report their their own uh, abuse in the family so that's one thing also when it comes to women who wanted to get abortion for uh, based on the condition that the the uh, fetus was impaired they couldn't do it either because a lot of hospitals or majority of hospitals in Poland they um, they use this called, so-called consciousness clause medical consciousness clause where doctors or nurses anesthesiologists sometimes the whole team doesn't want to have anything to do with abortion so it's basically impossible in Poland today to get an abortion even though even in cases when it's legal and Poland was already sued by women all the way in you know in the European Court of Human Rights and lost Couple of times, but they didn't change. Uh,
1: it's it's unbelievable. It's uh, especially like from a perspective here in Norway. It's uh, uh, yeah, so hard to to understand. Um, but you have uh, written a text uh, about the circumstances around this, and uh, the, one of the major organization pushing this forward uh, called uh, Ordle Luris.
3: Although you Ordle Luris,
1: yeah. Can you uh, tell about this uh, organization? Uh.
3: So it's a, a legal foundation that is trying to push the fight for the de- legalization of, uh, of abortion based on legal jargon. So they are using the documents, uh, uh, international uh, documents, declarations on human rights, trying to influence the, the parliamentarians to treat the fetus as a human being from the moment of conception. But this already has been happening in Poland uh, in de facto uh, since 1997, when the Tribunal uh, Constitutional Tribunal has rejected uh, um, a case for. In 1996, uh, abortion was allowed also for socio-economic reasons, and that clause was uh, removed by the Tribunal Constitutional uh, Tribunal in 1997, based on the uh, on the argument that it's unconstitutional. So the tribunal argued that the protection of life applies already to the fetus from the moment of conception. And this is what this Ordo-Juris legal foundation, they, they are trying to influence this kind of narrative all the way, not only in Poland, but they are working also with uh, across uh, international bodies such as the UN, the European Council, Council of Europe also. So this is a trend that is spreading.
1: So this is not only... For in Poland, but it's an uh, uh, organization uh, also consisting of lawyers with quite a lot of influence, exactly working towards international organs to understand the fetus as uh, to change fully the,
3: the legal uh, definition of the fetus, yeah,
1: to a fully human being protected mm-hmm. by by law by yeah. the human rights law. So it's uh, and uh, so this
3: d- yeah this development is quite worrisome because it uh, it. Shows that the that the the the, the organization of anti-choice uh, pe- people and lobbyists is very strong, and it's uh, they are getting a lot of support from uh, from different countries, from the U.S. They are very active and present in the um, south in South America, in Catholic mm-hmm. countries m- mostly, but also in Europe, and they they already serve as you know uh, this so-called. Um, they have this um, advisory status in the council in the United Nations. So the United Nations is using their public um, statements, or you know, this kind of um, what's it called, like these legal documents that they write—not legal documents, but like opinions that they write on certain issues. Mm-hmm. For example, a couple of weeks ago, they wrote—no, sorry, a couple of months ago—they wrote um, this kind of advisory document to the uh, European Council. Where they were against banning uh, hate speech using the so so it's really twisted logic. you know hate speech is something that they are banning based on the argument that it's against uh, freedom of expression.
1: They are not only focusing on abortion uh, no abortion
3: is in Poland, abo- abortion is their main uh, topic right now, but they, they are also uh, trying to prevent, for example, uh, hate speech uh, acts to go through. Because they are basically racist and homophobic, and you know everything. Yes.
0: <laughs> hmm. But the the uh, protests and the and there has been a big movement against this law as well in Poland.
3: Yes, it was called the Black Protest.
0: Yes, where there was also demonstrations in other cities and other countries yeah. in support for this law. <laughs> but uh, how has uh, or is it working? Well, so far, movement.
3: uh Well, the media in Europe declared that it's working because uh, after the first uh, national strike, what this was on the third of October, if I remember correctly. Yes. uh, Women, uh, when women and men went to the streets, like all dressed in black and with uh, umbrellas because it was raining on that day, so the umbrella became sort of a symbol for for Polish women's struggle, and. after that day, when there was re- literally like thousands of women in the streets, and it, those who couldn't go out to the streets, they w- they were still participating. for example, like you could see women who were uh, driving the um, trams, you know the tram, yes. tram, tram, tram drivers. They would put a poster on the, on their window saying, uh, today's national strike and I'm participating. So even women who were... So n-
0: the trams were stopped? No, they were day, not stopped, or? they were
3: going. But the, the the tram drivers were like supporting and saying, we are participating. And so a lot of women who never previously participated in, in any sort mm-hmm. of activities against um, uh, abortion rights or other issues, they were really active and really infuriated. So I think the government and the informal leader of Poland, because I don't know if you know this, but we have... Uh, Yaroslav Kaczynski, who is neither a president nor a prime minister, but he's the actual ruler of the country. We we call him a king, because he's okay. he's like pulling no, all I the str- he's pulling all the strings. So he's uh, it's like a dictator country now. So re- seriously. But anyway, uh, Kaczyński got scared of this. Uh, what happened with all these women active in the streets? And he called. They, they immediately. The next day, they gathered in the parliament and they like voted. It was like so crazy. It went happened so fast that nobody even knew that they were going to do it. And they voted against this uh, this initiative, which was called stop abortion. But already, you know, that day they already made a statement that they are not giving up on the fight to protect life. They call it protect life, and that they the the they, Initiative that was submitted by Ordo Euuri stop abortion they called it a huge misunderstanding because they understood that the the reason that women met, went to the streets was because they were afraid of being punished and so they said that they are going to remove this punishability of abortion and just a couple of days ago they have passed first re- in the first reading uh, it's not a law but it's a it's a it's a program that they call pro life where they intend to pay women for going through with Abortion with going through pregnancies that that uh, are going to be where the fetus is going to be severely, you know, damaged or impaired or yeah. So they will pay women money to go through with pregnancies like like this.
1: We are going to talk more about this and more about the uh, protest. But first, uh, we will hear a song uh, from Sofia Yanuk uh, called Irigin på min." Welcome back to the studio in uh, here in Mitteria on Radio Racco. We are so uh, lucky to have a guest here. Uh, thank you, Greta Guber. We are talking about abortion rights or the absence of abortion rights in Poland. And right before the song we were talking about uh, the protests, 3rd of October, where 150,000 people, uh, took to the streets to protest against the proposal of yet another restriction of uh, abortion rights in uh, Poland, and uh, I wonder uh, what influence do you think this protests and uh, the, this overall so many people taking to the streets, uh, what influence do, did you do you think it had of the overall public opinion and view on abortion rights in Poland?
3: Well, uh, I think that uh, a lot of people were very, had a very warm heart to realize that there is so much support for women and for women's uh, struggle for their rights to not be taken away or further restricted. So it was like a nice, very, very symbolic uh, mobilization and uh, one of the biggest in rec- recent years, really, for women in Poland... And men were also very active in this time, which also showed uh, that they are getting in more and more involved in the struggle. So, symbolically, it meant very much, it meant a lot, it mm. meant a lot, definitely. Mm. Um, when it comes to the public opinion on, uh, on abortion, you know, you see that the, pro- the problem with the, with the current discussion and also within the movement, which is called the Black Protest, is that since 1993, when the law was changed, and the so-called compromise was ishi- implemented, which is the law we have today. The the public opinion has shifted towards accepting this, the the compromise as something that is legit. You know that uh, mm-hmm. this is okay. Like we are most of us, even though most of us support this law in Poland today. So we are not really a pro-choice yeah. country anymore. Like we used to be during during the 40 years when uh, abortion was legal in Poland.
1: Yeah, because you're mentioning the 40 years where abortion was legal. This was something I uh, actually myself was not aware of before you talked about this at the globalization conference. Mm-hmm. And as you have mentioned before, this uh, shift in 1993... Uh before this, can you say how the situation in Poland was before 1993? Well, before 1993,
3: abortion was illegal. And uh, since na- 95- 1952, it was also available. It was basically available for, for anybody who wanted to have it. Bef- before 1952, it was uh, s- restricted to, mm, I think, social, econo- social economic Rights. I mean, social economic conditions. So, if you wanted to, you have to prove that you couldn't afford, for example, or Mm -hmm. or you were unemployed or something like that. But then, uh, since 1952, they basically liberalized it, so it was available on demand, and it was not really discussed because it was um, a top-down kind of initiative by the by the government. It was like during the communist uh, regime. So, um, it was also treated by many women, and it's worth uh, to say as a sort of a anti uh, uh, conception. so a lot of women had many abortions, and when the um, when the, politic, the politics started to change, the abortion rights were connected with the communist regime as a sort of a, a dist- some destructive uh, force to destroy the nation, and the, the language has changed relating to abortion. So abortion started to be called, you know, holocaust, murder, children killing of children that was a lot of very much supported by the pope. The Polish pope was elected around that time, seven, 1978, yes. and he was the like the prime very prime figure, yeah, very conservative, very very vocal on this uh, abortion thing. So the the language has changed and the thing is that a lot of women became like publicly shamed, or, or they felt shamed for what they have been doing, because you know they had been doing abortions when then and whenever they needed. And so this change has led to the to restricting abortion even before the law was restricted. So, like like I said, mentioned in the in the globalizing conference, and that the abortion was changed in nineteen ninety three. But since the revolution of eighty nine to nineteen ninety three, we have four years, and doing those four years abortion was basically reduced by 98%. So it was the legal community, the solidarity movement, it was the um, medical community also who has passed this uh, medical consciousness clause that has um, that was able to change the language and change the practice. And that since the since that time since 1993 until today, you know, we have we have had this law for for that number of years. That now most people, especially young people, believe that this is, a, this is a legitimate compromise and that's okay. That's how it should be, that a woman should not have a choice to decide.
1: So it has been a dramatic shift from, uh, in so uh, few years from almost without restrictions uh, before 1989 uh, or 1993 till the situation we have today uh As you talked about uh before we uh end this um, this interview, I just want uh to talk a little bit about the international uh solidarity that was also uh, shown uh in this uh, law proposal, and you yourself helped organizing uh, uh, more the de- than one demo here in Oslo uh, in solidarity with Polish women. Do you think this had an influence uh, uh, when peace withdrew the final
3: yeah, peace. Purpose, good so. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not sexual. Peace.
1: <laughs> Ironically, it's peace. <laughs> yeah, we'll
3: be laughing. Uh, at so that. peace. Uh, yeah, peace. <laughs> they they withdrew. Definitely, they were the, they w- they got uh, f- afraid or ashamed or I don't know confused by, with all the pressure that came from around the world. And that was definitely an important uh, act of solidarity. And so much uh, it meant a lot for women in Poland also definitely, to see that, you know, so many women and men uh, uh, have shown uh, support and were shocked, basically, that this is even debated, you know, 21st century, middle of Europe, that made everyone shocked. But, you know, the fight is not finished. And unfortunately, the um, political environment right now doesn't look very well. So I don't think we will be, I think we'll be hearing more from women protesting in Poland, definitely.
1: And this is a reminder to you as a listener that it actually helps to participate in these demonstrations and also that there will probably be more and the fight is not over. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Greta, for telling us about the situation uh, and for coming here. Uh, now we are going to hear a shortcut from somebody who uh, most certainly worked, uh, worked to end uh, this war on women, uh, Hazal Atay from Women on Waves. Um, will, uh, yeah, women on Waves uh, is an organization that, among other things, sends boats to lands where abortion, abortion is not illegal or available uh, to help women perform uh, safe abortions, and I was uh, able to talk for for to her for uh, five short minutes at the Globalization Conference, and you will be able to hear this now. Radio... <laughs>
2: Radio, radio record
1: Just tell me about the work on, of women on wage.
4: Sure. So, Women uh, Waves is a Dutch NGO working in the field of sexual and reproductive rights. Um, it is mostly known with its ship campaigns, uh, and that is uh, what we call the abortion ship. And it's basically a ship with a mobile clinic which sails to to, to different countries where abortion is restricted and it provides uh, abortion uh, in international waters. Uh, Because the ship is registered in the Netherlands, we can follow the the law in the Netherlands which allows us to perform abortions. Uh, Of course, this is a kind of a limited campaign. We don't have a ship that is going on Around, But uh, we have another sister organization, which is Women on Web, and that is the the telemedication service. It's a referral service where women in country with no access to abortion, they reach out to Women on Web and they ask for help, and Women on Web, um, they forward their help requests to to doctors who prescribe medicines to them, and uh, then the pills are are sent to these women by post. And in most of the countries, uh, custom regulations allow uh, people to to receive uh, prescribed medicines for individual use, so in this way women, uh, even if in their own country, restricts access to abortion, they can access to abortion through Women on <laughs> map.
1: And can you tell how long these
4: initiatives have been existed? I mean, Women on Waves was first founded in 1999, and the first campaign was done to, to Ireland in 2000. Uh, it was the first campaign that we did, and at that time, the press was not that supportive of us, and there, we received a lot of critics for doing the work we did, and in the end, we couldn't perform any abortions in Ireland. But then we did another, other campaigns in Portugal, Poland, um, and Spain, and Morocco recently in 2012, and... Uh, through these uh, ship campaigns we were able to, to perform abortions and in fact in countries where we go, the fact that there is there was a ship uh, with a claim that they will do abortions and there are women who are uh, needing abortions in that country, you know, all these things became much more visible for, for people and it's, it became a huge um, kind of action for, for women to engage and fight for.
1: Yeah, you kind of mentioned it now but uh, what would you say was the major impact that your campaigns had? Uh, I think I mean the most important
4: thing is that it shows that even if countries restrict abortions, women access to abortions... And women will not give up on this right. I mean, they will do anything, but they will not have an unwanted child. And when we look at the World's Map now, we see that the unsafe abortions are, are done in countries where access to abortion is not available. So women are risking their health. Uh, but of course, what we do is kind of uh, kind of a harm reduction strategy where we make, I mean, women are doing it anyway. It's a part of women's reality. It's, it's like birth. It's not a political debate. So we want to make sure that it is safe and it is um, it is okay for women Uh, so that's the i think the biggest thing
1: do you have any future planned campaigns with the ship Uh, well uh, we are making some some
4: uh, we are brainstorming at the moment, and we do have some uh, some campaigns approaching. Uh, but at the moment, I, I cannot uh, give uh, much information about that. But uh, I think, uh, I mean, as long as um, women demand it, and and at the moment we are experiencing a lot of regression in these in these rights. I mean, even in countries where it is it it is legal, it is not accessible or it is not provided, or we are seeing other other obstacles uh, when when women try to access it. So as long as this continues, we will we will do do campaigns for sure.
1: And it was mentioned here at the end uh, of this uh, debate uh, how uh, people can support you if they want. Uh, so we we rely on donations. So we ask
4: donations uh, from women, but our system works as a chain of solidarity where women who can actually afford it, who are usually from the global north, let's say, they donate to the service, and this helps other women to, who have no no funds to access abortions in, in the global south. So it's a chain of solidarity that I want, and it's from the, the website of web Dot org that's our website and you can see that there is the donate section there and, the, and they can donate and support a woman to access abortion..
0: Ja där fick du höra lite eh, om det fantastiska arbetet som Women on Waves utför. Ett är av låta Which side are you on. Eh, det har nått upp och så kommer ut en eh, film, en dokumentär om eh, arbetet till Women on Waves som heter Vessel som är värt att checka ut. Jag har ända inte sett den men glädje mig. Och uh, som uh, har alla sa, så kan du också stötta Women on Waves Vill gå in på www.womenonwaves.org. Uh, men här i studio ska vi över till att snacka lite om uh, um, vad som har er sked i loppet av de siste ukene i uh, Tyrke, hvor uh, uh, president Erdogan uh, har eh, brutalt eh, angrepet eh, kurdere och det lille smären er av yttrandefrihet och demokrati i Turkiet. För på torsdag för i uke så tyrkiske myndigheter eh, de två ledarna för det det enda prokurdiska partiet i Turkiet som heter HDP. Eh, og de två ledarna heter Selatin Demirtas og fick en juckse Og det var också nio andra representanter från partiet som blev arresterat. Och idag så kom det också in meddelanger om att ytterligare en representant, Nika Atakodan, har blivit arresterad. Erdogan, han brukar terror som urskilning för att arrestera dessa ledare för det som är er det tredje största parti i Turkiet och uh, säger att uh, att disse har tillknytning till PKK som är er den kurdiska kurdiske i uh, kurdisk tyrka och Syrien. Eh uh, terror det har blivit en bred term för den diktatoriske ledaren som Erdogan är. Er, eh uh, är er tydligen definitionen på terror är alla som inte är er eniga med han själv. Og HDP har oppgitt att 5 med en eller annen tilknytning til partiet har blitt pågrepet i løpet av det siste året. Og allerede i mars så fjernet Erdogan HDP sin immunitet, som betyder, att de kan straffe forfølges. Det har flera ja, um, flere hendelser som har runt uh, rundt disse Före helg blev också chefseredaktören samt 12 andra journalister från den oppositionella avisen Kumirot arresterat, och från förra så är er omtrent 150 mediehus stängt. Han har också 10 000 lärare akademiker och läger sparken för det han mener de har tillknytning till militärkuppen som vanns i i sommar.
1: Ja, lista er är lång och ting sig virkelig i uh, Tyrkia, och uh, detta som Ingrid nämnde är er, uh, bara någon av exemplen på Erdogans sin knebling av alla kritiska stämmer. Uh, det är er ikke längre ett spørgsmål om hvor det tyrkiske demokrati är er på väg. Det tyrkiske demokrati är er, uh, basically över och Erdogan styrer landet nå uh, Eh, slik han landet och så är er det praxis medligt likt ett diktatur Og eh, han får ju eh, omtrent fritt spelrum fra det internationella samhället och fra Europa eh, Sanktioner eh, er, och är så å si fra Ehm här i Norge så har er Brende allt att han är er, eh, allvarligt bekymret och ser att det är er en negativ utveckling. <laughs> eh, men som NATO allierat så säljer vi i Norge vapen till Tyrkia som blir rettet mot landets kurdiska befolkning. Angela Merkel säger att arrestationerna och det att han sparkat dessa 10 000 lärare och akademiker och ledarna var högst allarmerande. Men hade som medlem är ingen ingen problem att gå in i en flyktingavtal en returavtal med Tyrkia. Eh, vi får se nå eh, fremover om eh, någon tar eh, eh, ansvar av eh, her, bo- både här i Norge och i EU eh, i det internationella samhället. Ehm Truls Tran från vår redaktion han eh, var oss på globaliseringskonferensen och fick höra mer Om den akademiska friheten eller det man kan säkert kalle frånvaro fra, av akademisk frihet i Tyrkia. det ska du få höra på
5: nu. I ytterkanta, det misslyckade kuppen i Tyrkia i sommer har partiet AKP, ledet av president Erdogan, reagerat med en stor kampanje mot det som omtalas som fiender av staten. En lang långrekka aviser har blivit stängt och officerer anställda i hären har blivit arresterad eller avsatt. Också in utdanning och akademia har man sett hårda reaktioner. Allare efter kuppförsöket kritiserade norska akademiker Turkiet för att ha arresterat och förföljt turkiska professorer som underskrev ett upprop mot den interna krigföringen i det kurdiska områdena av Turkiet. Efter har repressionen mot akademiker och skoleväsendet blivit ända spissare. Den 26 oktober besökte Mitterias redaktion ett seminar arrangerat av studenterna och akademikernas internationella hjälpfond och av studentparlamentet vid universitetet i Oslo. Vi ønsket att lære mer om vad som sker i Tyrkia, og hvordan det påvirker situationen for landets studenter og for akademikerne.
0: Aldri. Ja, det kunde nästan virke som att uh, den tyrkiske pressensuren hade funnit uh, vägen helt hit till uh, Radio Rakel, men uh, det var nog bara en uh, liten teknisk flyn som är uh, <laughs> er en meget sjelden vare här. <laughs> uh, vi fick høre en uh, låt i stedet som heter Intro to Sham Step med 47 Soul. Vi ska se om vi får möjligheten till att prøve höra høre om akademisk preftsefrihet igen. Da prøver vi. Ja, er...
5: I etterkant av det misslykkede kupp i Tyrkia i sommer har partiet AKP, ledet av president Erdogan, reagerat med en stor kampanje mot det som omtales som fiender av staten. En lang rekke aviser har blitt stängt og offisere og ansatte i herren har blitt arrestert eller avsatt. Også innen utdanning och akademia har man sett harde reaktioner. Allerede för kuppförsöket kritiserte norska i Tyrkia för att ha arresterat och förföljt turkiska professorer som underskrev ett upprop mot den interna krigföringen i det kurdiska områdena av Tyrkia. Efter kuppen har repressionen mot akademiker och skolesystemet blivit ända spissare. Den 26 oktober besökte Meteorias redaktion ett seminar arrangerat av studenterna och akademikernes internationella hjälpfond och av studentparlamentet vid universitetet i Oslo. Vi önskar å lære mer om vad som sker i Tyrkia, og hvordan det påvirker situationen for landets studenter og for akademikerne.
2: Ja, jeg er Joachim Parslaug. Jeg er første av mannens i Midtøstens studier ved Universitetet i Oslo. Mm, og
5: du har vært her for att snakke om akademisk frihet i Tyrkia i ett av KUP-forsøket, som lyssla kort oppsummere litt om den situation for akademisk frihet i Tyrkia,
2: på kort och långsikt. Ja. Ja, alltså på långsikt då så kan vi kan vi snacka om att eh, det det nuvarande regeringspartiet i Turkiet, det parti som har varit i makten sedan 2002, det det har gott gått ifrån att vara ett parti som i begynnelsen önsket att kan vi si frigjøre tyrkiske universiteter fra den väldigt centraliserade måten de nå kontrolleres og styres av den tyrkiske staten på til att bli et parti som ikke snackar om det så väldigt. men det ser faktiskt ut som de nå ønsker gå i modsatt retning blant annet så ønsker de nå å eh, endre på måten tyrkiske rektorer eh, utnevnes eh, slik at de ska skal utnevnes direkte av presidenten Så det är er en och er långsiktig utveckling, men så har du också den mer dramatiska utvecklingen som jag sett nåt efter det kubförskörd i sommar, eh, vareta 15 universiteter eh, har blivit stängt och eh, över 5000 000 akademiker har missat jobben. Och eh, det, det har att göra med eh, mer politiska konflikter inom det tyrkiska samfundet göra. Detta är er universiteter som regeringen mener eh, tillhörer den så kallade guldenbevälningen som er en bevegelse som regeringen mener står bak dette mistrykede kuppforsøket i sommer. Det er det som er bakgrunnen for disse stengningene og arrestasjonene og sparkingen av veldig mange av korrekkene. Mm.
5: Hvordan ser dette ut er rent juridisk? Hva er det i tråd med reglene? Og gjennomføringen av er en sånn opprensning?
2: Ja, det, er, det, er, det er litt komplisert. Jag kan si nei, som som å for det ser ut som det er ting som skjer nå som overhovedet ikke er i tråd med tyrkiske lover. Blant annat får vi nå rapporter om att en del av de som sitter i varetekt tortureres, og det er selvfølgelig ikke lov ifølge tyrkiske lovverk, ikke lov i den tyrkiske och og ikke lov ifølge europeiske menneskerettighetskonvensjoner som også gjelder som lov i Tyrkia men så har er också slikt att den tyrkiska grundlagen eh, tillåter regeringen och presidenten att kreera undantagstillsamning och undantagstillsamning eh, införer en kan du si, en slags juridisk gråzonade eh, vore det är er en del frågor eh, knyttet till vad regeringen kan och inte kan göra som är er lite uklarare bland annat så, så kan regeringen utståde förordningar som är er, eh, dekreer ofta så order order som gäller som lov uh, og, og har brukt sånaa dekret till att göra ganska djuptgripande ändringar i Tyrkia, Bland annat har de omstrukturerat delar av staten. De har brukt dessa dekret till att stänga vissa universiteten. Det uh, de har brukt dekret till att och sända ut listor med med specifika individer som skal avsättas eller arresteres, uh, og det, det er är nog regeringen mener, den har fullmakt till men som bland annat till tyrkiske grundlagsdomstolen tidigare har sagt att regeringen inte kan göra.
5: Som du har hört är er förhållandena gode för akademiker och studenter i Tyrkia om dagen. Vi spurte en representant för studenterna och akademikernas internationella hjälpefond om varför detta är er något man bör brys om. Det är Mikael Skär, er aktiv i och i SH Malmö. I en så komplicerad situation där det är er så många ting att ta tag i som är er kritiska som påtryckser till minoriteter till uh, alla möjliga slags uh, utsatta grupper varför är er akademisk frihet viktigt att säga på? Det är ju jag tror uh, utan akademisk frihet så skall det nog till att utveckla ett land och särskilt när det börjar och ha lite repressiva riktningar så kommer gärna akademia under tryck studenter akademiker blir understrykt för de stora de stora kommer gärna från universitetsbyrå och därför tror jag det är er troligt viktig att satsa på studenter och akademiker i alla land och og också särskilt i Turkiet som situation har Ett Et annat spörsmål där som man är er enig i att akademisk frihet är er truet i Turkiet och att akademisk frihet är er viktig är er vad man kan göra med saken speciellt så långt unna som i Norge. Vi spurte Joakim Parslov vad man kunne göra for att støtte de tyrkiske akademikerne.
2: Jeg tror blandt andet fra 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 alt sådan generelt norsk hold, så tror jeg, at det, det er vigtigt att lägga pres på norsk politikere till vi i sin tur lägger press på tyrkiske politiker och gör det på en väldigt konkret måtta. Inte på en litt sånn generell vag måtta så att liksom säga si att ja vi följer med och vi är er bekymret, Men å, men att faktiskt gå direkt in i de argumenten vi nå presenteras med från offentlig, eh, officiellt tyrkisk håll och argumentera med dem. Eh, fordi för en del av de förklaringar vi får nu håller ikke inte Altså Alltså om att för exempel alle de som då eh för att stå bak detta försöka. Vi de håller inte vad på på sina egna premisser. Argumentet om att de tiltak som nu tas under undantagstillståndet är er lovliga i enlighet med turkisk lag, därför det er första är sant. för det andra, om det var sant, så hade det inte varit speciellt legitimt i sig selv, för det finns en massa lagar i Tyrkia som som är, er, kan man si, moralsk galt liksom, som som ger myndigheter eh, möjlighet till att ta grepp som, som ikke er bra eh från Andersons moraliska etiska standpoint. Så og, og, og helt sånt konkret och i möte komma till så argumenten. Det, det tror jag är er väldigt viktigt. Du
0: Come over to the dark side. Look, you are my son. Nina, ta så slå den jävla kaffetraktaren nå. Radio Råkel, for dig, som blir speiset kaffe. Ja, da nærmer mytteria sig slutten for denna gangen. För vi avslutter så skal vi bara kjapt närna lite av det som sker i uka som kommer. For det er ikke en hvilken som helst uke det her. Det er nemlig sesongavslutning på USA nå på onsdag eller rettere sagt er det på en på ett månedsvis langt cirkus som kulminerer i presidentvalge, hvor vi endelig kommer til få det klart. Hvorvidt er Hillary Clinton eller Donald Trump som vill overta presidenttiteln etter åtte år med Barack Obama? Men vår konklusion här i mytteria er vel at Det är er somma mellan Test eller Koleda. Cool, Så vi til att söka ett annat medium hvis du höra med om det. Ja, eh, absolut.
1: Eh, nu är er vi helt helt på tampen här med att i eh, sändningen och vi bara få se si att ha varit Greta Gober som var gäst i Studio. Eh, Trulstan och Offerdal eh, som laget inslag och tillägg var tekniker sammen med Mar Gälsta. Du kan höra oss i i imorgon från 5-3 nej på onsdagen ja. från 5 till 6. Tusen tack för oss.